I'm here with Brian, and he's going to tell us about himself, do all that stuff. And we're here. We're, we're getting going. You know, this is going to be a good short one for you all. So um, thanks for listening, I guess. And Brian, just like introduce yourself, kind of like tell people who you are, all that stuff. So my name is Brian Pickowitz. I'm a fitness and lifestyle coach who lives in Los Angeles, California, but I moved to Los Angeles, California a year ago from New Hampshire. Uh, I grew up in New Hampshire. I started my fitness business there as a personal trainer in college. And as I started to get more involved in the fitness space and see the opportunity to shape more people's lives that way, I transitioned fully after I graduated college to an online fitness company. And uh, I've worked with over 450 clients in the last three years. I focus on helping professionals reshape their bodies in order to transform their lives. So I think that if you start with a goal that's really grounded in fitness, you can not just learn how to reshape the, the things that may be holding you back with your physical body, but you can also reshape the things that help you with the rest of your life. And so that's kind of where I built from. And uh, yeah, I mean, I've competed in bodybuilding a couple times, but I really focus on a lot of the mental things that hold you back when it comes to getting fit and healthy. Yeah, so how was that transition like, getting that mental strength? Or was was it first the physical? Like, how did you go about it? As in, like, when I first started getting into mm. fitness? Okay, so I, mean, I was always an athlete. I was a three-sport athlete. I was, like, the player of the year for the <laughs> division in uh, uh, high school for baseball. So I was always a really good athlete. And then I got into college, and I, I, I came from a really small town, 750 people. Like, there wasn't a whole lot of opportunity. Then I went to a college that – had like 3,000 people, but it was a different transition. And there was always this thing that was holding me back, which I think was manifested by a lot of the things that people around me were like. And I just didn't think I was good enough to play college sports, even though like I felt like, you know, hey, you know, you could, you could do this. I just didn't believe it. And so I was supposed to play college football at St. Anselm College. And I decided not to. I, I told myself some lies, and I was like, you know, there's all these different things that are going on. I, I can do those things instead, and it would be better for me to focus on grades. And I went through my first semester, and I started to really get into bodybuilding. So I started, like, listening to this Arnold Schwarzenegger, like, motivation, as, like, most people do when they <laughs> start lifting, most guys do. Someone gave me a magazine of, like, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger's and workouts, and I started, like, getting really serious. I was like, you know what, like, there's a part of me that didn't want to be the 30-year-old sitting in a bar in my hometown saying, you know what, I could have been a really great athlete, and I was really great in high school. And so I actually went to a party my second semester with some friends who I went to high school with, and I got jumped. Um, I got jumped by like five people, and uh, it was an experience, to say the least. I, it turned out okay. It wasn't like anything that bad happened to me, but I got jumped by five people, and I just had remember having like this mental like I will never put myself in that position again and I will never allow someone else to either and I had already been lifting too so like I was already starting to feel confident I remember like there might have been alcohol involved so like I, I ripped off my shirt and was just like, <laughs> you know I, mean? like I, I was I was a young uh, you know eighteen year old nineteen year old kid who just started feeling confident in himself but there was like this moment like I just remember walking away from that experience being like. I will never allow myself to feel mentally weak like that again. And I will never hang out with these people again because the people I was hanging out with, I don't think they were bad people, but they didn't have great intentions for themselves and for me. And I wrote the college football coach the next day and I said, Hey, like, 
I want to work well with you. Like I want to do this and I walked on the team and I made it and pretty much from there. I mean, it's a longer story than that. <laughs> from there, I played for a year and a half and I um, couldn't afford college and to be a walk-on athlete. So I was working three jobs while I was playing college football. Like I was working at Vitamin World, I was working at Under Armour and I was working on campus. So I was hustling. And I remember it was the greatest thing. Like most people wouldn't talk about it as the greatest thing, but I, I, I loved it. Like I would get up, I would work on like campus, I would, you know, go to classes, and then I would go to the the um, like three hour practice because we have like meetings beforehand. And then I get out, I run to the cafeteria, I would go and eat, and then I would go right back to the gym for two hours. And then on weekends I would work both jobs, and then. As I got into a position where I had like less time during like the off season, but you're still practicing and doing those things, I would spend my nights and evenings. I would work like you know a seven hour shift, and so I started like really getting obsessed with the weightlifting aspect of it. I was like really you know having a lot of a, a lot of like mental barriers being pushed by the fact that I saw myself pushing in the gym, and I was like you know do I see myself playing professional football? Not really, and quite frankly, I was so focused on the bodybuilding, I wasn't doing the training for mm -hmm. the, the football. And so I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna quit and take a chance on myself. And from there, I my junior year, I quit football. I, I picked up, I was assistant manager of the store then, so I, I picked up more hours, and it just kind of like manifested itself as that was my focus and my target to really get myself where I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. I feel the same way you do. Like I, I was always that person that just, I don't know what it is. It, I think working one job is the worst thing you can do. Cause it's like, yeah, you're in this one place, this one, you know, but working like three jobs for me, it was always exciting. You know, like you go here, you go there, you work out in between, you do this, you do that, you know, like you learn this, like to me, it was always fun. People think I'm crazy. Like, why would you work three jobs? Why would you do that? Like, isn't that strenuous? So I think that's really cool. And that, like, you got that perspective because a lot of people would be like, man, I dread that. And, you know, be negative about it. Like, that was the worst time of my life. Like, you know, I had, had no time to sleep or had no time to with people. So I find that interesting. And did you, you know, do you still watch, like, football, like, professional football? Or is it, like, totally out of your life? Um, it's not out of my life because Tom Brady's still in the NFL. Okay. So as soon so as he's that, gone, <laughs> as soon as he's gone, it'll be interesting. I probably won't care as much. It's like I've watched all my favorite athletes retire. I feel like I'm. I, I, that's like the the first like stamp of getting older. Like your heroes, your heroes stop becoming your heroes in that sense. And then it kind of dwindles away. So, um, now I watch football again like once in a while. I, I can't watch football with people because like. Not in like an egotistical way, but I just hate couch. I hate couch coaches. I don't like them. I hate Monday morning quarterbacks. Like it's just like you know, I, I want to sit there and watch the game and have like a, like oh wow, that was a really great catch. Even though I'm not rooting for the Eagles, like that was a great play. And like I just kind of, I don't know. I, I don't have any stake in it, and I think that some people do, and that's that's fine. Like I, I love like getting fired up about politics and stuff like that. So um, I just I, I kind of. I think that once Tom Brady's no longer in the NFL, I'll kind of move away from him. Mm -hmm. So what do you like? Do you watch any sports at all? You know, f football, soccer, FIFA? Honestly, like I'm, I'm, I don't want to sound like a, like a Gary Vee wannabe, but like I spend a lot of time building my business right now. So mm -hmm. right now, Lindsay and I live in LA. Um, you know, we run a, a group coaching program in business. We, I run my one-on-one -on -one service. Um, 
I'm just really invested in the things I do. I spend a lot of time reading. So like, I would say like my leisurely things are, are reading and guitar. So like I, I write songs, I'm a singer and songwriter on like, as like a very like personal thing. Um, and I've started to like really allocate more time towards that because I feel like it's an opportunity for me to have something that I've always kind of wanted in that space too. Um, but that's really like a, a very like, um, self-serving thing like I, I i put it out on social media and I'm, I'm gonna start putting it out more just because i feel like i want see people to see that there you don't have to just be like one singular thing as like oh i'm a fitness coach and that's what i do and i lift weights it's like no 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 no, no. like and if you show off my content you don't you know that like I'm, I'm much more deeper than that but for me right now like i'll i'll i enjoy like stand-up comedy if i'm gonna if i'm gonna choose to not use my time as a focused thing um it's either like watching that stand-up comedy routine i really love jordan peterson right now and that has something to do with stand-up comedy but i love i love listening to podcasts watching podcasts um i just try to utilize the opportunity that i have right now like move to los angeles a year ago to have as many opportunities as i can so to be not use, utilizing the opportunity, I feel like would be kind of a waste of my potential and other people's potential. So I think that what we do has such a profound effect on other people. So it's like almost like, you know, it's like, you know, talking about working three jobs. Like I work three jobs because my parents are sick. My dad's got MS. My mom has her own chronic illnesses. Both of them have had to deal with a lot, a lot of struggles that have really put me in a position where like as a young man, like I, I don't think that I had to, I, sh- I should have been in. Um, and it was really tough. And so I, I watched people like that, people that you love when you watch them suffer. Um, you, you, you don't look at it as like, I just don't think that I, I, I don't want to waste an opportunity. It's like someone asked me the other day, like, well, what motivates you? It's like, my parents can't pay their fucking mortgage. Like, you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. uh, that's a roundabout way to say I don't watch a lot of sports. <laughs> yeah, man, I, I I totally get what you're saying. I mean, I I, I mean, like, I just don't. I don't, I don't watch football. I don't watch. I just watch MMA because I'm involved yeah. in it. So like, I watch that stuff. But like, that's that's like educational for me because like I learn what people are doing wrong. I learn what not to say because like, you know, you don't. You, you're not. You can't just be a a great athlete. You have to be a great speaker and all these other things like that. I'm like, man, I'm terrible at speaking. Like people think like, just because I have a podcast, like I'm great at this thing. That doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, I start off, you know, the episodes were terrible. Then they get better and better and better. And you're like, man, I really grown as an, as a speaker. So it's really interesting seeing like how you develop and yeah, I feel you have to grow up really fast when shit happens in your life. It's like, you know, I lost my mom when I was 10. So it was just like, from cancer and then I had to go to my dad and we're, my dad would didn't have any money. So it was just me and him. And I was 10 years old baloney for like three months, three months of solid baloney. We had no couch. We had no TV. Um, we eventually got a DVD player. That was the greatest moment of my life. Like watching, <laughs> watching freaking Harry Potter and just like, you know, um, you know, you, you would get those illegal DVDs for like two bucks. And I just remember that kind of stuff. So it was always like that transition and just feeling that out. So I always found that interesting. So yeah, it's it, it, like, sometimes I wish I had a childhood, like, you know, but yeah. I always love that, you know, I had like the, the, I don't know, something about like rough stuff happening to you just makes you a better person. Like, I don't know. I don't know I what it is. Well, well, I think too. I mean, uh, so I, I, I don't try to quantify anyone's story the same. Cause like, that's like, 
totally different heavy things. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of my respect for like coming out of that and doing what you've done. Like that's that's powerful. Um, for me, the painful experience was I had a great childhood. Um, mm-hmm. My dad was a carpenter. He worked for himself. He made really good money. Um, my mom was able to stay at home for most of her growing up until I was like 12 and then he got really sick and you know obviously there's different factions of that story that that need to be said and don't need to be said um but I think the the moral of that what I learned was like as I hit like 18 like their health really started to suffer and now you're an adult so like he, like for me like I watched my parents like they they were like amazing they did everything for me as a kid like they, whatever whatever we needed as far as like not even just me and maybe my brother but like they were supported a community of people they ran like the president of the little league they ran all the sports my dad always coached like um there was all these things that they were involved in and then to see them suffer so much it's not like it'd be different if like i didn't have a good relationship with them but mm-hmm. it was that that was what made it really hard it's like you know when you when you're when someone is in that position where you admire them so much and you have so much love and respect for them and then to see them um, really in a position where they're suffering was the hardest part and still at sometimes many times still it is um but yeah it's it's interesting like i think it's intention too so like if you have your intention set and you're willing to pick yourself up and look at like what you want actually want to do I think that I think that it becomes a lot easier to actually push through that, and I do think that the struggle is what makes you makes you stronger. There's there's a quote. My favorite band's Rise Against, um, and there's a quote by Rise Against song that says, "How we survive is what makes us who we are." And I think that there's a lot of truth to that. And it might be bad, it might not be, it might be really awful. Like you might have to, you know, become someone else in order to survive, and that will manifest itself as who you present yourself as. But also, if you if you choose to be in a position where you're choosing light, then that will show itself when you present yourself to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I I think that's great that you have that kind of perspective. Um, I I see like I like there's just so many kind of ways of looking at things. I think that's the coolest kind of part. Is like there's no one one way, you know. Like Gary Fee tells me to be patient, but I'm the most impatient person. And I'm like, I can't do, like, I don't know where do you get this patience? Like, you know, and then I'm like, well, you know, I came up with a dumb analogy and I was like, oh, this makes sense to me. This is how I'd be patient. You know, it's like, you know, you're learning from everybody kind of like piecing it together and like everybody's different. And like, you know, like I hear people say some crazy stuff. I'm like, what you think that? And I think this, <laughs> like, like what, like how, how, how could you think that, you know? And I think it's just, it's just very strange seeing people. So like, um, you know, you live in the craziest city, I think, in the world is L.A. So what is that like? Because there's so many creative content creators and just everybody's there like that's, I guess, doing the, the thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yes. It's um, very intense. Uh, I would say that it's not for someone who is lighthearted it's it's caused me a tremendous amount of pain like like it, it it's been an experience and i think that i'm on like I'm, i think i'm on the better half of that now i think the first like six months were were like the learning curve of like okay well you know this is how you do it this is how you're supposed to be doing it um, I, i'm really grateful and blessed that my business has been able to continue to grow and continue to 
expand and sustain itself like I had intended it would, but it still took a lot, a lot, a lot of work. <laughs> um, I think that the worst part about Los Angeles is that if you come here without an intention to work, you're going to the wrong place. Like, that's why I like talking about sports. Like, and I don't really believe in balance. Like, I do in some sense. Like, you know, it's really important that, like, I, I would be in a totally different position if I didn't have the greatest relationship with people. Like, I, I, I mean that. Like, mm. I I am so in love with Lindsay, and she is so in love with – hopefully so in love with me. <laughs> <laughs> but but – <laughs> But I, I truly, I truly believe that that's like my foundation. Like that's my rock. Like she's my rock. Like if I'm, if I'm, it's like we ebb and flow. Like if one of us is in a good place, there's okay. Well, I'm gonna step it up, and that's how we've been this whole time. And I am so blessed for that, and so grateful because like that makes it so the other stuff is easier, and I don't have to have as much balance because at the end of the day, I don't feel lonely because I have someone to share my life with, um, and. I think if I didn't have that, it'd be a lot different, but that's, that's not my circumstance. So I, I can imagine that if I was moving up here, it, the first thing you have to do is network. And you have to do that anyways. That's like the biggest thing that I, I've pushed myself to do is a network, network, network. Mm-hmm. That's like my Achilles heel because I'm, I'm a kid who grew up with like people bullying me and people pushing me around. And I just always was like, you know, I'm just going to get my own shit done and I don't have to worry about you. And then at the same time, like as I grew up, like I was always athletically like the mindset of like, okay, I'm the pitcher, I'm the person who's the team captain, like whatever, I'm just gonna get it done. And like that was always kind of my mindset, which is great if that's like something you're doing as an entrepreneur, because it's like, you know what, punch you in the face, I'm gonna get this done. But it's also an Achilles heel. So I've learned really a lot about networking, I've learned a lot about listening to people and trusting your intentions and in your tuition intuition. Um, I think I always had a pretty good nose for smelling out people, but I think it's gone stronger. And I think at the same time that um, there's a lot of things that are great about it. Like a lot of like a lot of the energy here is great, but you also have a lot of like drawbacks too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Like I, I always think of like, I lived in New York city for like, <laughs> I always told people it was like like two months and it was like it like it's the most for me it was the most lonely place ever. Like even though there was tons of people and tons of places to go, it was like the most lonely place ever. Like there's not a city in the world that I don't think that like it was just lonely. I'm like, you know, and of course you're sleeping in like a two thousand dollar you know, it's like just so expensive and you're like in a closet, you know. I was like, I'm Harry Potter, look at this closet. Uh it's like my room. I, you know, and so it was like, to me, it was always like that. It's like, like, you know, every place is different. Like I love Texas because, you know, I'm a gun fanatic. So like, Uh, I love it. you can buy any guns, you know? So like, you know, I have at least 30 to 40 guns. So like, to me, it's like, this is the place for me. You know, I like that, that that's a benefit, but it's also like, you know, a lot of people are very here. It's a lot more family oriented. It's like really, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like. It's very family oriented. It's not like about just working. It's working for your friends, your family, working for like everybody works together, which I think is cool. But there's also like, I mean, there's, there's stuff here, but there's not like what you would see in LA, you know, there's not Hollywood. You can't be an actor here. You can't do that. You know, can't be this, can't be that. You don't really have the entrepreneurs here. Like, like it's just really hard to build something here, but it's, you know, 
in this digital age now, I mean, like you can build everything online. So like, it's like, it's just changed so much. Yeah, I mean, I would say that the, the, the opportunity cost to live in LA is certainly hustle. Like you're gonna get around people who are like, we, we've hung out with actors. I mean, I, I see Arnold Schwarzenegger every day, um, at least a couple times a week. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, you have all the fitness industry here, which is becoming its own Hollywood. Um, you know, like Gary Vee event happens, we get to go to that event. It's like right there. If, um, you know, the Gymshark pop-ups there, you can go to it. Um, there's all these different opportunities. Like I just joined a, a mastermind and three of the events that I have to go to throughout the year happen in California, Los Angeles, San Francisco, and San Diego. So it's just, it's the hub of, of happening and that's what you're paying for. Like, you know, when you have to, when you have to pay more on rent, you're paying for that. You're paying for some other things too, but we don't have to necessarily discuss all that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Um, yeah, yeah, I guess you're getting that. So I think every place is different, you know. Um, I don't think it's bad to live in like Kansas or anything like that if you're listening in Kansas. No, yeah, I mean, I grew up in New Hampshire, small town, 750 yeah. people. Like, you know, um, and I, this, most of the people I still work with are from New England. So um, it's like, you know, you, you 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 have to remember your roots. Like I, I played at a show recently, um, and can you hear me all right too? By the way, yeah, yeah I can hear. Okay, okay, I just want to make sure. Uh, but I played at a show recently, and um, it was like the first time I had performed like really in LA, besides like an open mic, and I played Simple Man by Leonard Skinner. Uh-huh. And the reason why I did is because I grew up and we would sit by the fire have family over and play like guitar and sing like that. And that was always what my dad and my uncles did. So it was like almost like a sentimental thing. So I think that's one of the things I, I talked about, like the 10 things I've learned since I moved to LA. I think one of the most important things that when you move is that first off, you should always be questioning your values. Um, that's one of the things that I, I, I truly believe. I think it's Thomas Jefferson said question with boldness. Like everything you do, you should be questioning why you're doing it and what the intention is. So at least until you build that foundation. And then once you build that foundation, maybe you go a few more months and then you try to poke some more holes. Um, but for me, it's like, you, you know, you should come here with the values that you set for yourself. Like what, what do you think is your truth? What's the things that you feel like you're going to build off of? And maybe you take away some of those different pieces. But at the same time, like it's really important that you keep your values and that you keep the things that you feel like are are genuine to your being. Mm-hmm. Are you like really open minded? Is that the kind of like the way you learn? I'm open minded. Um, I'm I'm willing to listen to most people until I feel like <laughs> I'm, I'm, I feel like I feel like most people. So a good example is we, I'm connecting with some people who are, are and I don't want to get. I don't want to. I want to quantify everything I say because okay. I don't want to be be um, in a position where someone doesn't understand what I'm saying. Um, but I have some people out here that I'm friends with who are really liberal. Now I'm a pretty moderate person. Um, when I was in college, I studied politics. I actually had the opportunity to interview Donald Trump on the Today Show. Um, I worked for Mitt Romney's campaign, but I also got the opportunity to work for MSNBC. So I had a lot of opportunities in politics, and that was like my big thing. So I spent a lot of time studying politics, and I feel like that's like a a, a, a piece of me that I, I I like to delve into each discussion of it with an open mind, but also understanding that there's a level of truth. So 
there's like a, a person that we're acquainted with here, and he's a really great friend, and he's pretty liberal, and I can just tell that it's more of an anger thing. So like I'm willing to listen to someone, but if you're angry when you're discussing it, then you, or if let me say it better, if you're angry without logic when you discuss it, I feel like you're not really listening. It's like the person who's unwilling to like give me their two cents on an actual argument in an actual discussion is not someone who I'm necessarily always open to listening to, but I'm very open to listen to people who want to discuss different ideas because I think that, that whether there's something that's totally heinous or something that's totally neutral, I feel like that's how you actually find some common ground. I think that that's really important in a Republican. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I, I, you know, this podcast started because of Donald Trump, just to tell you, like, that's a good tidbit I always tell everyone. Like, why'd you start? Because Donald Trump, like, if he can do it, I can do it. You know, it's like, it was like a crazy thing to me. So I always took that, you know, I, you know, even if I don't like someone or if I just, whatever, blah, 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 don't agree with them, I still take what they do. I mean, like, you can't argue he's a great businessman. He knows what he's doing. He knows, all, like, he did something amazing. Like, like I, would, I wouldn't have thought an actor would win ever or like a, you know a celebrity now i think rihanna can win i can i think anybody can win i'm like this is crazy let's go gary v for president gary v for president like i want like like you know i always think like you know elon musk should run and they're the people that i'm like they never run like the people that well, run, they, it's weird I know, I, i'm gonna sound like an awful person just okay. say say just say i always say well gary v and elon musk aren't americans so yeah. oh they're both not oh yeah they're, they're immigrants Yes, this is the problem. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Arnold Schwarzenegger would have been uh, the president. Oh yeah, he was governor for a while. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I remember when he was a governor. A lot of people discuss like him like becoming president and stuff like that because he had some momentum and that kind of all fell apart. So. Um, but no, I mean, I, when I, I mean, just to get the perspective right, when I interviewed Trump, I. Uh, I really pushed him a lot, and my my question was, you know, your campaign's got you a lot of recognition for calling it how it is, but it seems to be based more on talking points and stuff. So my question is, do you have an actual strategy and game plan to get the economy back, or should middle class voters just elect you so because your last name's Trump? So it, I, I don't, I mean, and I mean, his presidency has been totally different than obviously what he ran on when I was interviewing him, but I knew that he didn't have a lot of substance when he spoke, meaning like, I, I think that someone who is coming out of business into politics should have a lot more substance than what he had. And so my intention with interviewing him and asking him the question was to push him. And so then he goes like, oh, I'm a businessman, I'm Trump, I'm Trump, I'm Trump. And completely valid. I mean, I'm not Donald Trump. And, um, <laughs> and then he goes... Oh, well, I'm going to bring jobs back. And then I jumped back in on the interview and I was like, well, how are you going to do that? Like, what are you actually going to do? And he's like, he's like, oh, well, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be do this. And I'm like, but what, what are you going to do? And he's like, okay, well, da, 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 da. so like, I went, I made sure that like I, I jumped back into it and um, I tried to be as forceful as I could without sounding like a, you know, 22 year old punk. Um, and it was, it was a great experience. I'd met him like, I've met him about 10 times, eight or nine times, something like that. Um, when he first came to decide whether he was going to run for president, he, he came to New Hampshire. Um, that was like his first stop. Yeah. And he ran, like, he did like an event at our college. And I got to ask him a few questions. Um, I, got, <laughs> I got a picture with him. Um, one of our friends were, they wanted to hold up Trump president signs. And I was ignorant. I was like, is he? I don't even think he's going to run president. So I was like, yeah, sure, I'll hold one. 
And then my friend's like, oh, well, you know, are you going to run President Trump? And he's like, you just wait and see. You just wait and see. And uh, <laughs> I don't know why it turns into Nero when I do that, but it's, it's kind of wonderful. Um, so, you know, by no means am I a Trump supporter, um, especially, you know, I, I try to, you know, look at more things on an individual, like, um, yeah, well, policy. I'd rather dissect policy, and I'm not going to speak about something I don't like completely understand. So, like, if you look at what's happening right now at the border, um, now I'm really going into it. Uh, I, think I don't care. That, this was a political podcast when I started it. So, well, I, I think that if you look at what's going on at the border, and obviously, I, I don't know enough about it to speak. Um, I think that it's heinous. I think that you know, families shouldn't be separated. I, I would hate to be in a position where as an immigrant I came across the border and that was the thing that happened and I lost my child. Like, especially when most of the people who are trying to get across illegally in that manner aren't necessarily, like if you're bringing your kids across the border, you're probably, you're probably not a drug dealer. Now that that's totally, that's completely ignorant for me to say because uh-huh. I don't know what the statistics to back that up are. Now I don't, and that's the thing I feel like most people don't, don't necessarily have when they talk about politics. It's like, I don't know the facts right now. So I just think that there needs to be a better solution. I also think that we need to figure out like, okay, why do so many people have this, this as like, they want to come here and how do we make it easier for that to happen? So it's more than just like, that's what I mean by like being open to round it out <laughs> so we can get off the topic of politics. <laughs> uh, um, I was going to squeeze a little more, but whatever. That's fine. That's fine. You keep, you do it. Um, but like, but like, that's what I mean by openness. Like I, I really believe like, okay, we need border security. We need, we need to have some kind of system in place there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Valid. I think yeah. everyone can agree to that. I think that's, that's normal. I think that's acceptable. At the same time, we need to treat people the right way. And we need to be able to be a light to people. That's what America is supposed to be. America's supposed to be a light, a shining light on a hill. And so if that is our intention, then maybe what we're doing in those cases aren't necessarily mapped out to our morality. And that's important for both sides to be able to look at and sit down. And I think that's the problem with not just politics, but with things in general. Like that's why I don't talk about politics on social media. It's like, first off, it doesn't serve me as a fitness coach. Um, It doesn't serve my intentions for the world because I want to put out something good. I want to take my light. That's what I think. I, I, my biggest thing is like be a light. Everyone has something that they can shine. Everyone has something that they can promote that's going to be better for people. And I don't necessarily always think that politics is that. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Because uh, like, you know, you, if you say something, you don't know how it's going to go. So I'm going to say something that I don't know how it's going to go. I Like for me, it's always been like, you know, my mom came across the border legally and then she became legal immigrant. So it was like, oh, this is like, you know, she try, you know, she's trying to get away from that bad life. That was like usually the main story for most people. Then it became the cartels. Well, the cartels are always there. So like there's like, three ways to solve this problem. There's really a really violent way, which is let's just wipe out the cartels. There's a kind of a half solution of like a business proposition where we legalize marijuana. That I've heard that one. I've heard that like there's so many ways this could go. I just think it's like oh the cartel's really the problem and then the the country's not in a good place financially i think those are the big problems for me like i don't go to mexico like i haven't been in mexico in a couple of years so like i don't go there because of these specific reasons like you know i hear people that just get kidnapped and get you know robbed and this and that like it's not it's not a fun place to be you know or get scammed like there's so many problems there 
um, that people just want to leave and go to different countries. And of course, America's like, you know, you know, a minimum wage job is the greatest thing for them. You know, my mom was making like 50 cents an hour for cleaning like places and all that stuff. And then she came here, came hairstylist, all that stuff. So like, it's a real good transition if you can get there. I just think the process needs to change and all that stuff. But besides that, this, I guess it will end here. This is like an epic place to end, I guess, politics, you know? But, yeah. But, like, yeah. Working- people get fitness and like learn about you and all that stuff where can they find you well so you can find me at brianpinkwitz.com you can find me on bmp radio it's my own podcast where i discuss how to really transform your life through setting the foundation of fitness you can follow me at instagram at bmp or at bmp radio or brian pickowitz that's t-i-c-k-o-w-i-c-z um and just link up with me i mean obviously i think the big thing is my intention has <laughs> something to do with politics, um, but also trying to be a light to inspire others to believe. In yeah, 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 yeah. There's, there's many sides to people, so that's what I think is interesting. Like, I don't talk. I haven't talked about politics in like a year. That's the first time I've ever said anything. So I yeah, guess I don't think I've ever discussed it on a podcast or a YouTube video. Yeah, because like you're like I'm I'm scared to talk about anything that you know people are going to like really disagree on. So it's like I look around the room. I'm like, is anybody here? Like, yeah. So. Well, it's, I, I don't even think it's necessarily being afraid. It's just being able to listen. And I think if you're willing to listen, then you're going to hear something. It's like. You know that discussion is obviously extremely controversial right now. As like I said, I don't have I don't have all the facts to be able to give like an articulate answer or solution. But being able to listen and have a discussion should be different than arguing and having a debate. And I think that that's where people lose most of their intentions, and that's yeah. where it gets big chaos. So. Yeah, most people don't have discussions, so I feel like longer form discussions just help out. And like, I mean, that's the reason why I don't watch news. I watch Philip DeFranco on YouTube. I just like hearing them talk like about things and getting my news as fast as possible. 10 minutes. That's all I need. Like, I don't need, I don't need three, 20 people to be arguing. Like, like that gets me so mad. I'm like, man, what are you talking about? This guy, what, this guy's talking. Let, listen to him before you even say anything. Like to me, it was always like people don't listen and they don't wait for someone to finish a point and they just go, it's like, they're just fighting each other. It's like violence. One thing, and then you want to wrap this up. Um, one thing, though, I think is very interesting. So we went to Jordan Peterson speak, mm-hmm. and he's a really controversial person if you're not listening to what he's saying. Or maybe you are listening to what he's saying, and you just don't like what he's saying. But I think for the most part, he's really in a position where he's trying to help people. And he was talking about long-form discussions, really changing the way that we have discussions. Because before, you have a two-minute soundbite, you have 50 seconds, you have 30 seconds to get your thing in there. And it's not articulate. You can't work through anything. And on a, on a TV, television station, you can't actually be in a position where you're having a discussion. So I think the role of the podcast and long-form discussions is to actually be able to break down different topics. So the person, the people who are giving the information can learn but also so the people who are listening can have a format to actually be able to dive into different pieces and be like, okay, I learned that today. And that makes sense to me. Or no, 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 no. Well, why is he saying that? And I think that if you look at long form podcasts, like his example is Joe Rogan, who has over a billion, over a billion downloads a year. That doesn't, that doesn't make sense to me. Like I, I yeah. hear that number. I'm like, Oh, I got a million or like, you know, I'm like, look a billion. What the like, I just don't understand how, you know, he doesn't even know. Like, I think that's the most interesting part is like when someone doesn't know why they're so popular. I'm like, that's really interesting. 
I think the thing for him is he is in a position where he didn't understand or didn't probably expect to have the power that he has. He's got a tremendous, he's probably like George Peterson said, he's like, he is probably the most important interviewer in the history of the world based off of the sheer amount of potential power he has based off of the sheer amount of lives he can affect and the amount of content that he can put out to actually help people. And that's something that I don't think Joe Rogan probably thought of when he was like, Oh, I'm going to start a podcast. I'm just going to have people on and just talk to them and I'll have a great time. So like, it's really interesting to see how, being at the front, so like you and I right now, this is like, this is totally new. This is totally foreign. Like you live in Texas, I live in California, I'm from New Hampshire. Like, you know, like we're at the front of like a very cutting, cutting age of technology. And I think that the more that people can dive into things like this, the more they're going to be able to learn. And it's like the whole thing with my podcast, like, and that's why I try to set it up that way. It's like, you know, I want someone to be like, oh, well, they were going through literally the same thing I was going through and they made it through that to like, be able to actually strive towards what they want. I think that that's what the role of the podcast should be. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, and I think it's going to get crazier. Like, once you could live audio podcasts, like, I always, like, I'm like, why iTunes? Like, all you need to do is find a way where I click a button, you know, and it records, and we have this conversation live, audio form and video form, like, any way we can cut it. Like, I see so much potential, and, like, like everybody can listen at any time. Like I work out, I listen to something, I drive somewhere, I listen to something. Like there's so many moments where you're kind of on downtime or waiting for something. Like you can't necessarily be doing something really complex, like a looking at something, but you can be doing something like listening. It's weird. So we'll see yeah, how that goes. Right? <laughs> yeah. I wish, I wish you good luck in your podcast, man. I mean, it's really good. Uh, yeah, I've listened to a few episodes, so I always find I find podcasters the most interesting people because they have to speak. Like, you know, not a lot of people have to have discussions with people or interview people. Like, it's really, it's really, there's not that many people that do it. Like, if you look at it at whole, like, I'm like, everybody needs to do this. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I really appreciate it. And I think that it's just a, it's a, it's a great experience to be able to take people into a space where they can open up about what they're experiencing. Because most people, like I said before, when you and I were kind of going over it, I don't think, especially in fitness, like most people don't want to talk about their, their struggles. They want to be strong. They want to be powerful. They want to have significance. It's like, no, like you, you get those by opening up and showing people that you're real. Because that's the thing, like for, for me and Lindsay, it's like in, in the social media world, like, like, like I said, like she's my soul. Like, and what I mean by that is like, I don't think it's always the case that people are so raw and real. And, I, and I'm not trying to like, you know, say that I'm like this magnificent person or anything like that. You know what I mean? Like I want to be able to have a great sense of humility because I have my own flaws and I have a tremendous amount. But I also see people, especially being out in LA, like how much fluff there is on social media and how much, how many behind the scenes things are actually going on and how many influencers are just there to get likes and follows and they don't actually offer value. Or when you see someone who's a fitness coach who's like, okay, well, what aspect of coaching do you like talking to me? I said, well, I really love the interaction when I get to actually help someone. I love seeing that aspect of someone make that transformation. I love, I, I look at it as like, I'm trying to give everyone a piece of my soul. So I want to, I want this person who signs on to work with me feel like they're engaged so they can get that. And then to have them say, well, see, I just like the marketing. Uh -huh. And it's like, you know, okay, I understand, like, you know, kudos to you for making money. Like, I'm not trying to degrade anyone. But it's like, 
sometimes maybe people's attentions aren't always that way. So I think with a podcast, you, you get to see more of what people are actually up to and what people are actually pushing for. And when you can learn something about them too, because maybe that person is, is totally motivated by something else than you are. And that's fine. I think, it, I think that you can't get that all through an Instagram post or like a Facebook live or a caption. Yeah. I'm I have a shit ton of flaws. So 